friends, it's Jamie here, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. I love this episode. Today, I'm talking to Lindy Kofer. You may know her as Lindy Conant, the beautiful songwriter, worship leader, singer, and foster and bio mom. And we just had such a great conversation. She invites us into her story as a newish foster mom, a newish mom and wife even, But then we jump into how just the simple truths from God's word carry us, and we jump into issues like worship as life and motherhood, and we tackle the topic of trafficking and foster care. We could have gone on and on forever, I'm sure, (laughs) because we both share such a passion just for following God into this space. Her faith Her insight, her love for God, and her children is going to inspire you. I know it. So I hope you enjoy this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. Hey, Lindy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Approximately how long do you think we've been trying to set up this recording? Way too long. Way too long. And I finally, one of my friends is helping me with my emails. And when she stepped in, I said, the first thing I need you to do is schedule this podcast. So great. (laughs) I've been going back and forth so long. That is literally what I need. Maybe we are too similar and we both need like our people to talk to each other. Exactly. It's like, you don't want to be that person. And then you're like, I'm that person. Oh, I am. So that person. And at this point, unabashedly, because I've found it's easier to just own it than pretend that you're not and just be constantly found out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So I like to start off, introduce us to your family. Yeah. So my name is Lindy Cooper. Got married to my husband almost. It's almost our four-year anniversary. I live in Southern California in Huntington Beach. Before that, I actually lived in Hawaii, which is a huge part of my story because that's where I joined Youth with a Mission, which is YWAM. Incredible. I went there not really saved, wanting to find God. Really? Real. Yeah. I knew Jesus was real. Like I believed in it, but mostly because I grew up in the Bible belt. Okay. So rewind or yeah, rewind. So I go do that. Hold I on. Do- I need to stop you super quickly because yeah. we have a trip planned in like five weeks. Where, where in Hawaii? No way in Kona. So the big island. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're probably going to like Maui or one of the really like luscious islands. We're, no, we're going to Kauai. Okay. Yeah. Why is great? Yeah. Oh, so fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So fast forward. Yeah. And it was there. My whole life got turned upside down. I went, not only is Jesus real and do I believe that he's real, but this is what we were made for. Mm -hmm. And I finally understood so much of the Bible and what the Bible said through actually understanding salvation and receiving his love. It was amazing. And then in 2012, YWAM Kona sent a small team to Southern California to do campus ministry. And I thought, I'll never join that team. Like, I want to go to the nations. Like, mm. let's go. And I ended up joining the team here in Southern California. And now we've been here almost eight years. And yeah, a little bit about my family. We now have two babies. But when we got here, the Lord began to basically knock on the door of our hearts not personally me and my husband, but we were watching leaders in our ministry. They were like getting awakened to foster care. And one in particular, his name's Andy Bird. His wife, Holly Bird, was doing high school ministry. And basically one of the girls in the high school dropped off their kid at their house. 
Oh my gosh. And when that happens, the rubber meets the road on what you for sure. It's like, and they took that baby in. Of course, then the state got involved, so they fostered her and then adopted her. But it really caused an awakening within our church family of how many more kids and then are you need a home. That what's going on? So Yeah, and it's not just this idea of like foster children out there, but like, oh, these precious children. And now I see and I touch and I know their names and they're real to me now, not just like a stat. Yeah, not a statistic, not a cool moving story where I can yeah. get ducks and it helps someone, you know. It got real and it got raw. And so when my husband and I, we were married two years, we had been honestly so inspired by the people around us. And when we felt like it was time to start a family, we were like, let's foster first before we have our own kids. Yeah. So, and people thought like, that's the wrong way. We don't do it that way. First, you have your children. Yeah. Exactly. Or I didn't know you guys were infertile. We got that. Right. I mean, all that I'm like, I don't think we are. Like, I don't know. So we got approved in December. No. Yeah. Like the very last week of November. And then we picked up literally four weeks later, we had a baby in our home. Oh my gosh. The foster care training, everything. It just... It all just, we were like, how is this in our backyard? And we yeah. have been asleep to this. Yeah. So it, it really changed us as a couple of what we even went. It just made us aware when you have something to offer as a healthy family, not perfect, but healthy, you know, pursuing Jesus, having community, having accountability, all the stuff. Anyways. That's a little bit about us. And so we, we've been in full-time missions for over 10 years. And now God has just caught us up in this whole foster care journey. So we actually got our foster son December 2018. And then I found out I was pregnant a month later. Oh, my word. So we've got two Yes, that answered the infertility question. Right? Yeah. But then everyone's like, won't God do it when you just stop caring yeah. pregnant? And I'm like, that's not, that's not, we didn't need a miracle, but I love that everyone thinks that. Well, have you shared, did you hear Lindy got healed? I'm like, I have, I have friends who have struggled with infertility. So I am, I have not, like, I know what it's like. I've walked with my friends too. So I think a lot of people just assumed, but yeah. So now we've got two babies, 20 months, 10 months because of COVID. Of course the adoption's been pushed back. Yeah. Times now. So we're still in the waiting game. Like we can't really foster. We can do safe families, which is like helping families, but we can't foster again until this goes through. So we're yeah. just in the waiting game. It's All right. So I want to, what's interesting about talking to you, a lot of times I'm talking to moms who have like, you know, decades of experience and, and they have so much to offer, but what you have to offer, which I love is two things. One is how quickly you jumped into foster care, even just being married. You know, I think we were married for five years before we had our first child. We were probably 10 years into marriage before we started foster care. So tell me what, like, I often get the question, how do I know if I'm ready? You know, I feel ready, but then I don't feel ready. And how did you know that it was the right thing for you right then two years into marriage? That's a great question. I would say, you know, depending on where you're at and your faith in Jesus, your faith in your walk, we really felt it came in prayer, to be totally mm-hmm. honest. 
we were like, I think we need to do this. And for us, we knew if we don't jump off the cliff now, then we will drown in hesitation. Because hmm. we, when will there be a good time after right. we have four of our own kids and then right, right. we're 10 years down the road or, you know, there was all these scenarios and we just, we allowed the Lord, we said, we want to feel your heart for this. And I feel like we underestimate that prayer because he is faithful to respond. And that's, and this is not, I'm not trying to be Christianese language right now. Like we really got gripped with, wow, we don't want to wait because we're actually feeling the heart of God. Like we've never felt it before. Hmm. And there was a fresh excitement. So instead of letting those second guessing, the fear, all the little things, the funnels, the layers of funnels we have, we just drew a line in the sand and just said, we're doing this. And we went to the classes. It took us about eight months to get fully approved, the home study, all of it. And we had so many people like, you guys just did it. And we just went, yeah, I feel like with this area, with and when you learn how many children are suffering, we just ask the Lord, like, we want to feel what you feel. And when we feel like we begin to feel the Lord's sure. birth, we just went, yeah, no more delay. Let's do Yeah. This. We can totally super spiritualize the, like, what am I called to? What yeah. is my calling here? Well, there are certain things we know that we're called to, and we know that we're called to care for the orphan. We know that we're called to die to self and sacrifice our life for others. And so when, when you come to one of those things that is so in line with God's heart and God's word, the like feeling of, Oh, I I need this supernatural sacred moment where I know what I'm, well, you do know what you're called to God. It's all over God's word. And so stepping out in faith in those things is not risky. Yeah. When people say, how do you hear God? I'm like, open the book. Right. Right. The book. Yeah. I heard God. He, he says to care for the orphan and the vulnerable and yeah. Yeah. My baby brother started same thing. They, as far as we know, can have, have biological children. And a year after they got married, started the process. And I sat across from them like, okay, I'm going to give you the list right now of reasons why you shouldn't of how this is going to be hard on your marriage on how maybe you need experience in this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to say, if you have faith for this, then 100% move forward, ignore the list. This isn't about wisdom and about the checklist. This is about following God into hard places and believing that he's going to give you the grace and carry you through it. And I love that, that that's your answer. It's like, yeah, it was just, we feel like God is calling us to this. And so the checklist doesn't matter that much. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like in the Western world, we have so much entitlement to self you know, where mm. what's incredible is my earlier years in Youth with the Mission, I was able to go serve in other places where you realize families function in so much selflessness so because of how right. well they have. They right. function and they have joy. They're not angry. They're not mad. Like being in Mozambique in some of my earlier 20s, it was remarkable to be a part of what God was doing there. But I think sometimes you leave more impacted by the culture of humility 
than anything. And we're so entitled to our own schedule, our own comfort zones. And I think honestly, it holds a lot of people back from stepping out in America right. and Western right. countries for what it looks like to care for the orphan and the widow. Cause we think, Oh, I want to do that, but I don't want to expose my own kids to a foster child. Right, right, right. Which is like, I totally get that. Like, I get that it may not be the right time. The Lord may be calling you in a different way. You can serve a family. You can pray. You can give. All I'm saying is, it's it's always healthy to ask, am I seeing things through a lens of selfishness? Because that's all I've been taught culturally. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. All right. So you are now less than a year into, I mean, 10 months old, did you say? So our foster son's 20 months old. Okay. Your foster son is 20 months and you picked him up from the hospital, right? Yeah. 17 days. So he was in the NICU for 17 days and then we came and got him. Okay. All right. So 20 months in, give me like a play by play on what it is look like to be brand new to this and now to be at the point where you're about to adopt. And so your very first placement, you've had every experience here of like picking up and now the, the journey and the ups and downs, the court, what has it been like? Yes. And for those who know foster care language, I'll try to make things really simple for those that don't. But when we first got our, I can't say his name legally yet. When we first got our little guy, it was, we had no idea. And they told us, listen, we don't know if parents, we don't know. Yeah. In a few days. Yeah, exactly. My husband's question is always like, so what are the details? I'm like, babe, we have been doing this for so long. You know, we don't know details. We say yes. And then maybe we get details later. Yes, exactly. And we were, and he was actually, this is crazy, our fourth call. And we said yes to the first two. The third one, when we prayed, we heard no. We said yes to the first two. They were instant adoptions. So families who'd been waiting longer got those two placements. Okay. Third call, we felt no, which was so weird to like go, how could we not go get this child? Then we found out 30 minutes later, a family member came. And so we were like, Mm. well, that saved us the heartache of like having a baby for an hour and you know, <laughs> anyways, so fourth call and they're like, can you go pick up this baby tonight? And we're like, yes, we will be there. And then it was like six or seven days later, we get a call. Like you're going to do visits. Mom's in the picture. We're like, okay, which they had kind of given the, you know, maybe mom wouldn't be in the picture. So when she was, I, cannot urge foster parents enough in this area. Our caseworkers have reached out to us. Like we've never seen anything like this, but I have, I found other moms doing this This is what inspired me. We just felt from the Lord. We can either distance from bio mom. Yeah. Or we can care for the orphan and the widow. So good. And we were like, so my husband and I, we just went, all right, let's draw another line. We are going to love her. We are going to fight for her and we're going to fight for reunification. And so for six months, we just went in. We yeah. did our very best. Like, and the caseworker said, even when she would meet with her, she'd say, who are your support system? And she'd be like, Lindy and Chase. Yeah. So good. My support system, which would be like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. oh, and we don't even feel like we're doing that much. And, but I would say this, it has been a crazy journey 
with all that. But if you will love your bio parent, you can change the narrative of their story, whether they get reunified or not. And so when the 2-6 hearing happened, which at 2-6 hearings when parental rights are terminated, it felt surreal. It felt, okay, this is, we really fought for her. Like even talking about it, I feel like I could just break down. But here mm -hmm. we are now. This is what's best is that he stays with us. And, you know, they were like, you don't have to have any contact with bio mom. You can be totally done. And we just went, no way. So we just, yeah. we reached out to her and we sat down with her and we said, listen, you can be, Chase and I are going to be in your life no matter what. If you want relationship with Bubba, you need to be pursuing some wholeness in some areas. So if you are, and we can tell, you can have relationship with him, but we will have relationship with you still no matter what. I love that. And she didn't even know what to do because a lot of people are stuck in patterns of addiction. They're stuck in certain yeah. patterns because they've not known healthy relationship to break those patterns, you know? Right. So I, there, that's, I'll stop and I'll, we can keep. No. Yeah. I, I just mean, that because our caseworker said, I have 40 cases right now. Probably 35 of them are Christians. No one. I've never seen anyone do this with a oh my gosh. or with a bio parent. Oh my god! And I was like, it's time. And I know people do this because I got inspired by following Instagram pages where they did like a journal where they'd write to the bio parent and like. So we we just did everything we could to love her, and we still do. We still talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny. You said that they sort of hinted that maybe parents wouldn't be in the option. And in, I mean, in the picture, yeah. in my experience, the reason that they do that is because they think that that's what foster parents want to hear. And so it's one of the ways they get you to say yes, is yes. <laughs> just so you know, it seems like this, where to me, what I've learned, and, and I always like to share that I was not this way. I mean, the fact that you got there, after a few weeks into your very first placement is the grace of God, because this was like a stumbling on my face journey that I had to really get through. But what I've learned is foster care is less about the child and more about the family. It's less about welcoming an orphan and more about God's heart for restoration of the family, more about I love what you said, the orphan and the widow coming alongside of both and having God's heart for both of them. And I, I mean, that number is surprising that you shared that your social worker said, but it's also not that surprising because I know many, many Christians in the, these circles who have such a strong heart for the child, but are able to disconnect their hearts from the parent who God loves yes. and, and desires to be in relationship and desires for them to have wholeness in their relationships and in yes. their life. And, and it is, again, I can empathize with that. I know what it's like to villainize and demonize a parent, right? but it is not God's heart for these families. It's not God's heart for us as foster parents yeah. We're missing out on so much when that's the way that we do this. Wow. Yeah. So tell me what it's looked like for you to build a relationship with mom and just continue to love on her. I mean, it's taken a lot of direct communication because where she's at in life, she's very up and down, up and down, up and down. So we have found the more consistent we are, the more consistent and persistent. 
and we not hold a line in, in any sort of defense, but we just, my husband has done an incredible job with her of setting clear boundaries and like, okay, if you, if you cuss us out, we're not going to respond, you know, but then we've watched, like, there is that truth in love and we've watched sure. how truthful we are. Yeah. I love her. She actually is like, thank you. We're like, yes. So it's, it's been a journey. I'll say that. And for any foster parent, you sorry, but like, you cannot do this in your own strength. Right. That's the biggest thing we've learned. Like if we want to love well and do this well, we have to be emptied out and say, listen, like, cause I've had days where I'm like, Jesus, I cannot love right now, but I need you to love through me. I need mm. you to like consume my heart afresh. So definitely that's how I would encourage any foster parent to approach it is if you try to be the superhero, good luck, you know? Yeah. All right. So let's jump into that. What truths have you held on to as a foster parent? Like what from God's word is just like, okay, this has carried me or this is like my mantra that I'm speaking to my heart constantly. Yes. You know, it's so funny, especially during this quarantine with COVID, I just feel like I've done a lot of reading in scriptures on everything of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So think that greater is he who is in me than he who is of the world. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I feel like through that lens, let's take that first one. Greater is he who's in me than he who is of the world. I've just gone, when I feel that pressure or that anxiety, or sometimes I'm like, I tell my husband, I'm like, I don't think we can take any more kids in. I'm like, yeah. Those days you're like, nope. Yes, Um, we do. But yeah, the perspective of, No, there is a reality. There is so much darkness around us. And I am convinced. I've just tried to sit back and be a learner the last two years. I still feel like I have so much to learn. But especially when it comes to foster care and children. And I'm like, you know what? The more I learn, the more I saturate myself with statistics and reading articles and finding facts and really understanding what's going on, I go, the answer will always be, healthy families helping restore families to health. Hmm. And so that's where I just go, all right, Lord, like I'm in for this because we are in a war. I hate, you know, like I said, I hate using Christianese language, but it's like, there is darkness, but the light has come. And I feel the simplicity. That's what I've held on to in scripture is the simplicity of the gospel. Okay. Greater is he who's in me than he who's of the world. That means He's with me and I can do this. Hmm. And not only that, I can share my story and bring others into this story too, which we've seen. And it's been so fun. Hey friends, just interrupting the conversation real quick to tell you about my favorite thing on the internet right now, especially for the middle of quarantine. It's called Skillshare. And here's how it works. You sign up for free for a two-month membership, and you will gain access to classes on literally everything. When you're stuck inside, there's no better time to learn a new skill, take up a new hobby, improve some area of your work. They have everything from classes on ballet and fine art to Excel and accounting. You can learn anything for free from your home. Here's what you do. Visit realmompodcast.com slash Skillshare. That's one word, Skillshare. And sign up for a free two-month membership that you can cancel anytime. There's no obligation. 
but I'm pretty sure that you won't want to. When you start learning and developing new skills and hobbies, I'm pretty sure that you will love Skillshare just as much as I do. Again, it's realmompodcast.com slash Skillshare. And not only that, but the things that we think are are guiding this whole process, the brokenness of the system and the darkness of the, he's greater than that. And believing that he is greater than that above that is what can give us faith to follow him and not this broken system. You know, we are like following the rules going along with this thing that we know is breaking families. This thing that we know is not functioning the way it should, but greater is he than that. And so we're putting our faith in him, not in this broken system. That's right. Yeah, that's so good. All right. So we haven't even really talked about this. You, of course, singer, worship leader, songwriter. I want to know, this is a unique thing to you. What does it look like for you as a foster parent? Like, how does worship change you and, and like infect your day as a foster parent and just as a mom? Yeah, I would say what's, I'm like trying to figure out the best way to answer this. We definitely have found, and so much is different, honestly, right now because of COVID. Yeah. But one of the, I'll go through the lens of kind of like how we used to travel and stuff before. Yeah. When we felt yes to doing foster care. My, the biggest blocker in my mind was my calling. What about my calling, Lord? Like, I'm not, like, I'm going to have to get court approval to travel. No. How about we just like support families that are fostering, you know, so we can keep doing our thing. And I just had this moment, Jamie, where it was like, I think I'm idolizing my calling mm-hmm. like, because Holy Spirit, you're telling me to, to foster. So I am seeing this through a lens of a little bit of like climbing the ladder of celebrity Christianity mm-hmm. without even realizing it. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is about following Christ and, you know, he desires obedience over sacrifice. Then I'm just trying to bring my sacrifice to you. I still want to lead worship and travel the world. Yet I've so clearly heard you to do this. So I would say how that ties into worship is we all know worship's more than a song. It's our life. Sure, yeah. And it just was a fresh awakening of, do I believe what I sing and I say? Dang, that's what good. Dude, this is my worship. Yeah. My worship is being a foster mom in this season, like, and however long, and being an advocate for children and researching and finding out what is going on so we can be a voice for the voiceless. And I just went, this is my obedience. And when I had that switch, I just went, no, I'm not going to idolize celebrity Christianity for me to feel good about myself every day. Like I'm doing something great because most people around me who lead worship, there's a certain pattern, you know, it's like you do this. And I just went, I, that's what I want to do. And the Lord just came and destroyed that. Lindy, holy moly. That is, that is really powerful. That is a life surrendered. Like I'm just that phrase. This is your spiritual act of worship. Like, That this is this dying to self each day. I mean, motherhood has to be the least glorious <laughs> in a day to day. It's just so mundane. Yeah. So not being on stage with tens of thousands of people singing along with you. It's like the exact opposite of that. Yeah. And yet 
your spiritual act of worship and just how beautiful it is to him. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I, I thought more you were going to like, oh, we listen to music and it engages our hearts. This is what worship is. And this is what every mom who's resonating, who does not sing in front of thousands of people, she can resonate with this. Oh yeah. my, I'm wiping pee off the floor. I am cleaning another butt. I am holding a yeah. screaming child in the middle of the night when even my spouse doesn't know I am. And yet what a spiritual act of worship it is to my God. Come on. Yes. And I just think there's another thing where you just have to go. It's that C.S. Lewis quote where children are not a distraction from the most important yes. They are the most important thing. I know it's so silly, but the first time I read that, I felt so convicted of Lord Every way I'm still trying to get away from my kids so I can do the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just felt like, no, they are the thing. They are the thing. And it is true. It is your life laid down. That is worship. So do we have worship times in our living room? And it's like amazing. Absolutely. We do the stuff. Yeah. It's so fun. Like even we released a song today and my little, they, they scooted the drums in front of the TV as they watched it on YouTube. So they're definitely in that worship culture. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, if you are not, seeking your life is worship. It, it, it's harder for it to overflow onto your kids or it's mm -hmm. just the religious. We're just trying to like get them to look like robots, you know, Yeah. Of God. And it's like, no worship comes, you know, worship looks like, like last night, my husband gets home. He's like, what happened? I'm like in the bath with my clothes on both babies screaming. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, don't ask, just take a baby out of my arm right now. Okay. Like, <laughs> So, but it's true in those moments. It's like, I can sit there and, you know, it's just like, I will give you all my worship. And it looks like not a moment where we're all singing together. It is the day. Oh, yeah. I'm here. You are my disciples. I think it's so important for moms to know, especially if you are a passionate mom that was on the go before you had kids. Of course you can still be on the go. Of course you can still pursue your dreams, but there is this thing of Jesus said, go make disciples. And that was one of his greatest, like it, it's within the great commission, what he commissioned mm -hmm. us with. So me seeing my kids as disciples is one of the most holy right. acts I can do. Right. So I was, I always like encourage moms, like view your kids of like, no, I am making an eternal investment in these human beings, any yeah. fox, child that comes into my home. I don't care how long or short you're here. You are getting an eternal investment. Like whether you believe in God or not, we are going to love you. Yeah. We're going to create a safe place for you. We're going to speak truth, truth to you. Truth. We're going to pray for you. Yes. yes. And those have eternal implications. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really hard, especially for people like you and I, who are big dreams are big dreams for God. And so they seem so, or they are so noble, you know, like our, our success and our dreams are all ministry related. And so it can be a lot messier, like untangling them to see like, all right, what really is about you and what is about me and what is about others? And, and we're just that solely it's about your glory. And I want your glory to be at the helm of all that I do and be my motivation for from him and through him and to him are all things. It, it is 
so beautiful to hear you talk about the mission of motherhood that way. And for someone like me who has this tendency to be like, I want to do big things for God. I have to have that eternal perspective through my mundane things. I would go crazy. I think that the transition for me from person to mom was really hard. And I've continued to wrestle through it because I wanted to do big, glorious things. And so I have to have that motivation in front of me all the time of like, this is about eternal souls. These little humans that God placed, like he has eternal purposes for them. And I'm a missionary to them and my ministry and just having that right at the forefront of my heart. I love that. Oh, it's hard though. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you are, you know, COVID messes up everything. Right. You were supposed to have adopted by now, but haven't, right? So you're on a standstill. Yeah, we're just waiting. Okay. So what does foster care and adoption look for you, maybe theoretically, when you can reopen and welcome more children? So this kind of I'm going to throw a curveball in this answer. Is that good? Do it. And like, all right, Lord, you just speak to us and we'll do it. And we actually found out through our agency because we had a bio kid. They need to be at least a year old before we can foster. Oh, so that was probably kind of good. Or maybe we would have taken in too many. (laughs) I don't know. But really what's happened is during quarantine, we've just been you know, obviously together as a family, more able to process and go, what would it look like to take in more kids? What yeah. are we thinking? And that's when this whole thing came up. Like, what about older kids? Hmm. Where are the older kids? Wait, wait, where are the 13 and 14? Okay. They're in group homes. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to learn more about group homes. So as I do hmm. that, I realize group homes are some of the most preyed upon places by traffickers. Yeah, they know where group homes are. So we have just been totally wrecked by this whole thing of this. There's a statistic. Some say it's up to 90%. So you'll see some things will say 70, some will say 80, but they're believing it's up to 90% now of children who are trafficked are out of the foster care system or have been in the child welfare system. So we have been digging into this going, what would it look like to be, how can we take in a child who's rescued? Because listen, I am all about it. Save the children. Everyone's becoming aware of child trafficking. I think it's incredible. You know, I say this to everyone, whether the Wayfair thing is true or not, I have no idea that's above my pay grade to figure out. But whether it's true or not, it's happening. Yeah. And it's been happening. And it's one of the largest growing industries in the world. We're talking billions of dollars. And we need to talk about this. We need to get churches talking about this. We need it all. But it led me to this, well, what about when a child is rescued? Because if there's not, you can totally, like there's homes and stuff, but still they need a family. Hmm. Because if there's not a family, eventually then what happens? Do they just go back into the foster care system? They're they're just as vulnerable as they were in the first place. And they're not in a context where they can receive healing again. Yes. So I would say we are, no, I would say we are very much so on this journey. There's only one place in Los Angeles County that does training for taking in rescued kids, which I'm like, that needs to change. There's only one place that's the training. I'm like, so I'm all about everyone using their voice right now to, you know, everyone's just like, 
yes, save the children, but I'm like, who's going to save them after they're rescued out of trafficking? Hmm. And that's my question to myself. That's my question to the body of Christ right now. Yes. It's really time to go, who will take these kids in? I am believing 10 million kids. Well, that's how many, it's like 10 million is the number they say. Kids are trapped. That's worldwide. But I'm like, we need a worldwide movement of foster families, foster adoptive families saying, yeah. Yeah, we will open our home. So to answer that question, we've really been on this journey of like, okay, I think the Lord's asking us now to get caught up in this story. Yeah. So we well, wouldn't be surprised if our next kid was out of that type of trauma. Yeah. And Lindy, here's the thing. Part of it is you are already caught up in it. And the older the children you say yes to, the more you are, because the reality is that prevention is always better than rescuing. <laughs> and so the Thank more you. Christians yeah. and healing healthy families step in for these kids, like you said, where are the 12-year-old kids? They're in group homes. Group homes are the epitome of vulnerable children where these kids can be preyed upon. Well, the yeah. more children that we're serving who don't go into group homes in the first place or who we welcome into our homes from the group homes in the first place, the fewer that number of children who are left vulnerable and left possible to be trafficked is. So foster care is the epitome of anti-trafficking work in that we're literally stopping the trafficking from happening. <laughs> you are like speaking to my heart right now. So one of my very best friends, she's been in the trafficking space for about 15 years now. She did some documentaries. She has one on Netflix, like just has been deep into raising awareness for trafficking. Well, now she's doing a documentary on foster care because the more upstream she got in trafficking. Exactly. Went, oh, wait a minute time out. We need foster care reformation if we want to see trafficking reformation. So absolutely. Just, yes, yes, yes. To everything you're saying. I'm like, guys, if we can take kids into our homes and avoid the whole, exactly what you're saying. I mean, literally yeah. what you just said was like music to my ears. Well, I love, I mean, it shows how much God has brought you into this space because the two things that your heart are beating for are the same thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. adoption and foster care, welcoming children and children being rescued from trafficking, mm -hmm. the same exact thing. And I love, like you said, who knows what of this is media stuff and all that, but we know it's happening. And our hearts need to break and not just break. They need to be moved. Breaking, the whole point of the breaking is that they're then moved to action and not just, I mean, the posting is great. And it's funny. I had someone, <laughs> I went in my DMs today and, and there was someone calling me out about not speaking up against trafficking. And I'm thinking, do you have any idea what I do? <laughs> like, we're talking about foster care every day. This is the epitome of anti-trafficking. So we are talking about God's heart here. Same thing. I I actually purposely, not purposely, but I've been waiting. So I'm like, I don't want to yeah. see angry in my Instagram and my social media. But I had someone ask me the same thing and I just responded with, don't worry, in the coming months I will, but I it's because I'm I'm burdened for a call to action because exactly. I said it was two years ago, one of our pastors said, Lindy, have you ever done a study on mercy? 
on biblically just what mercy is, what it means, the Hebrew words. I'm like, no, he's like, you should. And he walked me through how mercy is the action of a heart full of compassion. Yes. So we feel compassion. Like what you're saying, we, it's even in Matthew 9, it says Jesus, he said he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them. Then it always led to action. To the always. Of the heart. Yes. Always. So compassion, true biblical mm. compassion leads to action. Yeah. It sounds cheesy because it rhymes, but you know, <laughs> let God be God. But it's yeah, exactly. He made both words. He made yeah. them rhyme. There's yes. a reason. <laughs> yes. We, we wrote, we wrote a whole song around it. And again, it's not like a popular song because it's very like it, mm. the whole chorus is it's mercy. Mercy. You've shown us mercy. Mercy is an action of a heart full of compassion compassion and then the bridge we say you delight in mercy because your mercy leads us to repent and now because of this forgiveness we can live with no offense we're brought into salvation by the truth that's come and set us free you took a debt i could not pay like girl preach and so i think sometimes we think i have i feel this i'm passionate about this cry out for god's compassion yes when you touch that, you will be moved to action. It yes. will be only natural. You won't have to strive. You won't. It will be your only natural response. Right. Oh my goodness. You and I could just keep going. I'm feeling myself going up, 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 up. I'm like, I need to bring us down. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. I hope that that everyone who has. And neither of us are hating on those squares that are being posted. Those are beautiful things. Speak up. That is great. We need awareness because awareness is what leads to the compassion, which leads to the action. (laughs) So that's, but I hope that everyone who has posted that is now stepping back and going, okay, so what is the action? And is this maybe the action? Is getting involved in foster care and standing in for these kids before they become one of those numbers? I mean, there are other actions because obviously there are those millions of children who need to be rescued, but foster care is a beautiful part to protecting those children in the first place. Yeah. So, okay. I am going to switch gears here for us. I want to talk about you, Lindy, as a woman, as a person, I want to know what are you doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to? So what are you doing? So right now what I'm doing, I'm actually doing a lot of songwriting because I'm awesome. just, I, that's I, the one part of, of your ministry that you can do when there's no one else around, when you're stuck inside in quarantine, a lot of songwriting. I've actually been doing a lot of, we've been trying to just, what does it look like to establish worship and prayer rhythms in our home? Hmm. Incredible because we're, we've been on the go for the last five years, literally got married and we've just been seeing, it's awesome. We've been seeing some incredible stuff in the nations and we feel so blessed to do what we do. But right now we're just like, okay, this is about establishing the presence of God in our home. And we would never have an opportunity to do this outside of COVID, honestly. All right. So so invite us quickly into some of those rhythms. Yeah. Yeah. So what we've done (laughs) now, moms will understand this. We have decided we were doing morning worship together. So that looks like we open our Bibles and we pick a Psalm and whether the babies are screaming or not, we at least do one Psalm. But what I, what's happened now is I've started writing things that they Mm. like. So it's crazy because I, I'm like, I don't know how to get them to like love 
this worship time. I can't force them to. I don't want to make yeah. them a little. But we started doing, now we've written like all these kids songs and it's hilarious. It happened accidentally. So basically you have an album coming out of your rhythm that you're trying yeah, to create. Yeah. So we just tried these, like those things of like, okay, no matter what, we're all going to sit in the living room every morning and do this. Whether it's a scream fest, whether yeah, calm and enjoying it, like we're just going to do it. And awesome. that's been huge for us. So yeah, that's been a big one. And then I'm actually sitting in their room right now. We actually, we moved both the babies into the same room. So we're, we're honestly like, we're trying to get, in, we're focusing on healthy rhythms right now. And to be honest, we're, we've been on the go. Even yeah. they're like, like, they've been, their first trip together was to Brazil and they did great. They loved it. They do so good on the go. So now we're just trying to shift gears and instead of like trying to find tons of stuff to do every day for life to feel normal. Yeah. Trying to discover healthy rhythms at home, which is that's awesome. awesome. It's not easy, but we're doing it. That's awesome. Okay. What are you eating? That's also, I just, thankfully I did succeed the whole 30. Praise God. Did it. Good. Now I'm done. Also <laughs> praise God. Now I'm done. <laughs> But yeah, the challenge of all 30 is, is like then taking some of it into normal life. Right. I know. I know. I know. So we're eating a lot of, honestly, they are obsessed with watermelon and blueberries. So I'm just going to be real. We just, we are all about the watermelon and blueberries. I feel like that's so many of our meals right now, but having two small babies, I feel like I personally I'm in a shift in the last two weeks if I've got to get my health back mm. to be totally raw and real. I'm like, can be such an emotional eater. And it's been yeah, one of the hardest parts of having two kids so quickly. And I, this is going to sound so vain, but I'm human. When after I had Zion, so we got Bubba and then we had Zion and I had two babies. And then I was a part of three live recordings, all videotaped directly after that. And I just remember thinking, no, like so much weight on my pregnancy. I was like, this is like, no, I have to be a three for videos. And I just, this is not, I just look crazy. And I've, I've definitely been in my own personal health journey. So you're actually catching me in a funny week because just seven days ago, I decided, all right, it's time to shift things. It's time to really go after why do I emotionally eat? Start working out every day. So I'm on day five. Um, awesome. So that's just a real raw little sound. Bite yeah. Uh, well, and you know what? I think part of the healthy rhythms and slowing down, I mean, not like you traveling the world, but a similar sort of like just kid after kid after kid after kid where we're riding five or six kids deep and I'm just eating whatever's on people's plates and right. we're going through the foster care journey and every phone call I get, I go and I get something and stuff it in my mouth because it makes me feel better for a minute. And and then quarantine and things are slow and we're home and it's like, oh, all of these things that have become the norm for me in eating and lack of exercise and just unhealthy living and rhythms going, oh, this is the time. Like this is a gift from God yeah. to be able to focus on these things that I would typically say I don't have time for. Yeah. So similarly, my idea, my answer would be so different than it would have been four months ago. And I see that as one of the gifts of this time of going like, oh, my health. Yeah. All right. What are you reading? I've actually been reading and for moms, it's so short. 
If you're interested in the topic of revival, I've been reading a book called The Price and Power of Revival by Duncan Campbell. And it's a short little four chapter book, but every chapter, I mean, I was shocked. I, I felt like every chapter led me into a deeper, like, did I just read a hundred pages? No, that was three pages. Okay. <laughs> so it's called the, yeah, The Price and Power of Revival by Duncan Campbell. And cool. these simple Bible truths on what is mm. it to have revival in your own life and sustain it kind of, you know, cause revival can be a buzzword. Yeah, I'm sure. So passionate about like, let's define it. Let's really get and like, what is revival? What does that mean for our daily choices? What does well, yeah, like you said, just personally, not some movement that happens outside of ourselves. Right. Exactly. That's great. All right. What are you watching? You know, I just finished the chosen. Have you seen that yet? No. Oh, oh. It's this guy, he, it's the largest crowdfunded show and all my friends are watching it. It's basically on the life of Jesus. And I thought, okay, is this going to be so cheesy that I'll watch it? And it was not cheesy. Really? And then other than The Chosen, watching a lot of Elmo. So <laughs> one of those times in your life where you are not choosing what you're watching. Yeah, exactly. All right. What are you listening to? Actually, let's do this. Talk about you. I want to point people to what they can listen to of you. Yeah, we have two, two albums out. So the first one's called Every Nation. The second one's called Driven by Love. And then we actually just released a song today, ironically. It's called Lord of the Harvest. Oh, awesome. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, you can find everything under Lindy Kofer. We actually just did our big name change. I got married four years ago. Yeah. Finally have like worked with labels and yeah, I definitely don't know you as Lindy Cooper. <laughs> right, right. So we're, we're in the midst of doing the name change. So, okay. And mostly so now you can find everything under one name. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, and you are just such a gifted, I mean, I don't even have to tell you this. Obviously, you know this. You are such a gifted singer, songwriter, worship leader, just like pull my heart into worshiping the Savior oh. and- you are gifted. You are a gift to all of us who get to follow you into worshiping him. So good. I want people to listen to that. I mean, I'm sure many, many, many have, but listen to you because you are, you're just beautiful. This was so fun. We yeah. could have just gone on every change the world tangent and <laughs> do it tangent. But I'm so glad that we finally got to connect. I just, thanks for inviting us into your story. Thanks for sharing your heart with us. Yes. You are a beautiful soul. Thank you. It was so good to finally meet you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Real Mom Podcast. You can find us in all the places, realmompodcast.com for our landing page, where we'll connect you to the guests and all the links and info from this episode. On Facebook, search Real Mom Podcast. And on Instagram, at Real Mom Podcast. Thanks for listening. Praises to my King.